much. Wait, wait, wait. Hello. Oh, TJ, you got the intro this week? Yeah, I did not. Just the song. Okay. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Talk and Talk, I think. Uh, this is the podcast for the MediaBonus.com. We watch stuff and we talk about them, and man, that really fucks me up. <laughs> <laughs> what, just me talking? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know why, but TJ's here. I am. Brent's here. I haven't been talking. <laughs> no. Brent's <laughs> Brent's following the podcast etiquette of don't talk until you're addressed. Sir? Yes, sir. I'll <laughs> wait for my introduction. And uh, and I'm Chris, and so today we are not talking about anything in particular, but we've got a couple big media events for us. Uh, one of them being the finale of Survivor, the other one being the release of Star Cats. Wars. <laughs> Star Cats! <laughs> Star Cats. <laughs> If you, Finally, if you sloppily spell cats backwards, you get the word star. Uh, but Star Wars: Rise of Rise of the Skywalker, Rise of Star, the, ri- the Rise of Skywalker, the Rise of Skywalker, uh, Tross, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, good joke. <laughs> and David's not here, but I still took up the mantle and uh, watched the movie that he said that he was going to protest watch. Uh, the two popes just got released to Netflix. But, um... Were there two poops? I'm not talking oh, about it first. That was the two poops. <laughs> okay. I figured it might be a good idea to I'll start... Watch this. <laughs> to start with the biggest news of the week. And start off talking about... Nobody saw cats, though. That <laughs> right, good. Sorry. Uh, and start off talking about uh, Star Wars. Uh, TJ and Brent, you guys both saw it. Yep. Do you want to yep. give us your impressions? And don't... Don't be too afraid uh, to go a little bit more in detail because I don't care about spoilers, and this is coming out on Wednesday. Um, so, so talk as much as you want to the extent you want. Yeah, not a ton. To I'm going to leave out maybe one big character decision and one big like. There's no movie. really like Han dies moment though, right? In this movie, there's not. Yeah, not a lot to like. I mean, there's stuff to spoil, obviously, yeah. but like nothing crazy. I I, I enjoyed it. It it is a uh, I know Brent will agree. It is a lot of movie. Um, it is not a lot of time to breathe, not a lot of time to process what you just saw. That's probably really my only like critical problem with it. It's just the problem with that that thought is it is a problem that lasts for two hours and 40 minutes of the movie. Right. Um, so it's kind of a big problem. But uh, it's still, I think... Me and Brent, I went over to Brent's house as soon as I saw it. He saw it early this morning. I saw it like right around noon. So we already talked about it some, but he, uh, I think we have him like our same place in the rankings of Star Wars. Like I liked it a good bit better than he did, but, uh, you did. And, and I, even though we have the same criticism, it's kind of a, it comes down to the person watching it and like, how much does this issue bother them? Right. And I think it just bothered me more, which was like, it was, there's a whole lot going on in this movie. And yeah. it's just like one thing after the other. And one of the things like I really liked in Force Awakens that really blew me away was the op- those opening moments of like Rey on Jakku. Where she's just like fending for herself and having to eat dinner alone. You get really such a good feel for that character without needing dialogue or without her having to say anything about it. Right. And there's just, there's just no time for that in this movie. This is just like, go get the thing that leads to the thing that will take us to the thing and the place. And, and it's just like one thing after another. And there are so many characters that you're trying to get service to in this movie that for me, it was just two movies crammed into one almost. Yeah. 
and it was just it was just a lot um to the point where nothing ever for me got to feel really big and iconic in the way that other movies have because they told they told simpler movies or simpler stories Right. Um, this is probably close as I'll get to a spoiler, and I don't think it's a spoiler. The most emotional I got was Chewie's response to Leia's death. Yeah, they they handle Leia dying, which is right. something we everyone kinda expected all they figured. would. Yeah, and uh, Chewie's response is because you kind of forget, right? Or I did that those characters have been hanging out for. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's like other than ever. other than like C three PO and R two D two, he's the only like. He's the last one through line. Yeah. yeah, who's been with them for all the movies? Right. Mm-hmm. And it did also make me realize, like, you know, because I already watched all the Star Wars movies leading up, and I was like, man, I bet Chewie is tired of this fucking war. <laughs> He's been <laughs> fighting this thing <laughs> since the beginning. He's definitely the, like, oldest person still in active duty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I thought the performances among the leads were really good. Daisy Ridley, you know, she, she sells Ray really well, and Adam Driver is just always great in everything he's in so i don't know of a of a movie where he's been they, underwhelming i do think they finally use oscar isaac well mm-hmm. um, poe's been kind of a side character does he kind of step into the han solo role a little bit more yeah he's, he's got more to do in this movie yeah because like, he's kind of leading the charge on this like i mean uh, the first the first 60 percent of the movie is a MacGuffin chase right kind of and he's kind of He's kind of leading the charge on that, so okay. he's he definitely has a lot of screen time. Um, I don't know. I feel like I always had higher hopes for Poe, mostly just because of Oscar Isaac playing him. Like yeah. I just had hopes that we were he was big fans be, of him before the franchise started. Right. Like I had hopes that he was going to be some amazing character, and he turned out to be a, a perfectly likable, fine character. Right. Um, but I think Boyega's character grows the most in this movie, probably out of the main four. Mm-hmm. Um, but. He kind of was sidelined a little bit in Last Jedi too, which was one of you know I, I am certainly not one of the Last Jedi haters out there. I love that movie, um, but it, I had a few criticisms of it, and one of them was just that like Finn had so much fun in the first movie. I think it is yeah that second movie is he's he's in his zone when he's having fun and sort of like the riffing with Han Solo on like the joke the joke about the Force and this stuff. Great. Right, it's so much fun. And or, like I was talking about in the Force Awakens, even the let go of my hand shit with him and Ray running around Jakku is fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. And he just doesn't have as much to do with that. And, and he didn't have as much of that. I think The Force Awakens is still my favorite Finn movie. But um, he he certainly had more to do in this in this one, which was which was nice to see. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's, uh, it's hard. Like, kids are going to fucking love this movie. And it's a well-made film. I don't know. It's weird. It's the the last Jedi I think is like by far the best of these three films. Right. Um, it's also the only one of it has the only part of any of the three movies I thought that was like slow, which is the casino shit yeah, with Rose. Canto and, Bite. Yeah. Um, and I was telling you this earlier. I actually think Canto Bite might have worked pretty well if it was earlier in the movie. Yeah. But you want to get back to they Octu? What's you were that, well into you were well into the climax of uh, like. Luke Snoke and Ray, the, and, and yeah. the yeah. Snoke and Ray and and uh, Kylo at that point, and and it's just like get everybody watching the Canto Bite stuff is just like okay, but get back to the stuff that we love. Right. Also, I think the one character that fell really flat in the movie was Benicio del Toro. 
For sure. Because he's a guy you almost forget's even in the Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole Canto bite scene is just interesting. Um, and it's funny, because I was watching a lot of, uh, you know, press material leading up to it, and it's insane how many, like, celebrity cameos there are, just, like, standing by, like, a craps table and Canto bite. Like, not just Justin Theroux, who's, like, the big... Uh, well, to most people, that's not like, ooh, look at that celebrity. But yeah. It's like us. Right. Like, um, but it's an interesting inclusion. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. As in like a mask or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a specific question that I want to ask you guys, but I, I, you know, I don't want to ask questions that your non-answer would reveal something on a spoiler level. But I do just want to ask generally, does this movie kind of... Uh, play or play to the title The Rise of Skywalker in a way that felt satisfying. You don't have to tell me what that means if yes or no, but you know, the title is always the first piece of news we hear about a Star Wars movie. My answer would be I think relating to the title it felt a little disappointing. Okay. Just related to the title. Right. I'll agree. I think it did own up to its title. Yeah. But yeah. satisfying might be a stretch. Okay. Yeah. Not super disappointing at that point in the movie. Yeah, not... You know what I mean? Like, you're kind of over it at that it was point. Already, it was already there. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah. I mean... Okay. I am confused with the title of the previous film, however. Sure. Yep. I mean, there's... <laughs> so, some of the main criticism I've seen from people who liked The Last Jedi are that compared to it, this one felt fan service 100%. And that uh, this one, Rise of, Sky, Rise of Skywalker, I should be clearer, that the Rise of Skywalker d- works as hard as it can to try and make fans forget Last Jedi. I don't agree with that. Okay. I don't know. I think J.J. I think Abrams had his hands kind of cuffed a little bit. So you do you think that some of the criticisms that uh, Disney corporate may have weighed in about what fans want to see after Last Jedi, and kind of forced him to make the money move as opposed to the story move? I think I think a, I know that's a make money moves question. adjacent to story moves. Yeah, I mean I think he had some plot. I mean I still don't. There is no fucking way in hell that Disney and J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy let Ron Johnson make that movie without them knowing exactly what was happening the entire time. So I believe J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy when they're like, Ron Johnson made a great film. Right. Um, They made the film that they wanted, he made the film they wanted him to make. I believe that. And I think that now, yeah, I think you had to get some fan service shit in there, you had to get some bullshit in there, and you probably had to tie up some ends and my gut says Abrams didn't really want to tie up when he started making these movies. Right. Um, it's a it's a different tone than uh, Force Awakens even. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's... I don't think he was... I, I don't know that I think a studio stepped in or anything like that, but I, I definitely understand where those concern... where those criticisms come from. Right. I think there's... There's a line in the movie that's sort of a direct reference to, like, that thing you saw in The Last Jedi. That was not the way it should have been, kind of. But it's sort of, it's a small thing from The Last Jedi. But I Jedi. thought that is, I mean... <clears throat> I think people are definitely going to take that and run with it. Like, people who hate The Last Jedi. Yeah, I think they will, too. They already are. Yeah, because those people are dumb, and they'll do dumb things. Yeah. 
But like, <clears throat> I definitely saw that as that character <clears throat> mocking himself. Yes. Yes. I mean, like a hundred percent. I didn't even think about the other thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Thing. Like, yeah. Um, I like the rim shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. Um, and I mean, I just want to, and I'm just going to assume that's how it was intended. Because. Yeah, I just also think about like they just know what the backlash is, and they know that like it's it's going to be taken that way. Right, right, and that's what I'm that that's kind of what I'm saying is that I think he just has to pander. Now. Oh yeah, there was a that's what I'm saying. There yeah. was okay, it, not because he wants to. That they I'm weren't saying, undoing like, everything of the last Jedi, but they were pandering here and there to like just a tad. They were throwing some meat to the dogs uh, right. here and there for. Uh, I do think that this movie kind of undermines the most important, um, and I don't want to get too far into this, but sure. I do think it undermines the my favorite theme of The Last Jedi, the way things unfold in the plot in this one. Uh-huh. But And that sort of bothered me some, but uh, we can get to that down the road when, when more people have seen sure. it, because it's a... It involves more than I want to divulge yeah. five days away from release. Yeah. Um, <coughs> the other question that I have, <clears throat> and you can say abstain if you don't want to answer it because you're worried about spoiling something, but is there a character who came back into the fold or whose story was explored that you were excited to see or you thought was unnecessary to see? And I was immediately thinking of Benicio Del Toro when this movie came out and I heard criticisms of like, I don't understand why they put so many characters in this movie because, like, you kind of get the hint in The Last Jedi that Benicio Del Toro's character might come back. Um, and so I'm wondering if you guys... And you can you can say abstain if you're wary of spoiling too much. No. Because uh, I know that there's a brand new character in this. Because there, she's been doing the junket. Um, the black woman whose name I don't know. With the, uh, like, the really big, beautiful, natural hair. I, I don't know who that actress is. I don't know. I forgot her name, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's... Uh, um, is I think it's also pretty well known that... Uh, JJ's old Felicity girl is in this movie too, right? Carrie uh, Russell. Yeah, Carrie Russell. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, she's doing. She was on a uh, Kimmel. Yeah, and and the two of them, I actually really liked the way they brought in those two new characters. I thought they they both worked well with the story. They none of them took too much of the spotlight away from uh, the characters we all show up to see. Yeah, um, but they they did well. As for old characters coming back, there were some that were definitely just sort of fan servicey, but not in a way that really bothered me all that Man, much. Man, I kind of like Maz being back. Yeah. As just this like non-force, non-Jedi, super smart person. Right. Like Yoda without powers. And there are a couple of older characters that, you know, pop up here and there. Yeah. That it's just like, oh, neat. Yeah, right. I mean, people, it's it's well known that Billy D reprises as Lando. Yeah, he does um, a good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think they attempted anyway and did a pretty good job of focusing more on building the characters of the four new leads. Yeah. Um, and did good. There were times where I thought, I was like, I feel bad for John Boyega having to act next to Daisy Ridley, who I thought killed it in this movie, and Oscar Isaac. Uh, but then other times where I thought he was better than they were. So, he's also acted in less. Like, right. You know. Um... Yeah, I, I was uh, trying to think if there's any other aspect of that question that, like... Um, I'm, I'm trying to get to the heart of the criticism. Having not seen it, so not knowing which way I land on it, 
of it being fan service. I feel like a lot of times, like when X3 comes out, you know, the X-Men movie, Last Stand, one of the big complaints is, because they pack in so many characters from the universe and kind of give like a nod to like, you know, X-Men, here's this character, that it detracts from the overall story. So like that's kind of a, a criticism I'm seeing is that it's too much added to the pot and then maybe not cooking analogy, but like a color mixing analogy is that we end up with a brown color as opposed to like a beautiful blend of just a few colors mixed together. And so I'm trying to see kind of where your guys' thoughts are. That happens with, with the plot that. and story, I think, more than it happens with characters. Okay. Yeah, like the character return, if if you will, that I had the biggest issue with was kind of central to the plot sure. of this movie. So I don't really, you know, it's... I it's, mean, and I think people know that, enough to know that Palpatine is back in some form. Right. I think, that's, um, I think that's clear. What form is uh, left open. Yeah. People who haven't watched trailers enough to know that won't listen to this. So right. I'm not worried about and, this time. Palpatine is a presence but in the right. movie. You will have the answer to what form he is back in the first three minutes of the film. Yeah. I mean, it, but that's it not there. a lingering mystery in the no. movie, really. And I mean, it's, it's in a fucking crawl. Yeah. Uh, so Wow. Okay. Like, How much time has passed between The Last Jedi and this movie? One year. Oh, is it one year? Yep. Well, okay. That's more significant than I thought. Like, yeah. you know, you've got, uh, I think, between Return and uh, and, and uh, Return and Empire, I think there's, it's like immediate, right? There's, there's like no difference. Like, between Empire and Return, Return of the Jedi? Yeah. It's, there's a little while. It's supposed to be like a, a, a while, because uh, Luke does some like, he builds a lightsaber and he... Okay. Uh, He's more badass. He re- there's some canon, like... He's get he Comics gets the novels that right. are trains yeah. his hand yeah. his new hand or whatever. Oh right. Um, but but so it's, yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. They don't they don't waste time. No, Maybe and that. even though even though I didn't really in, I didn't really love this story because it kind of the plot of this movie kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere. Like it doesn't feel like a it feels like a continuation of characters like. Yeah, I mean these characters are back, and and whatnot. But the story itself just seems like a hard break from anything that's come before. Like it's just like here's a new thing, kinda. So in the big matrix of on the left and right, you have rebels versus empires, and on the north south axis, you have Sith versus Jedi's. It tells a different story than that. No, I mean I think it continues the Skywalker saga. It it. it and pretty clearly, I think. But, I don't know. I think you get... I was... I'm interested to sit on it a little longer, too. Um, sure. I know that these are very because, like, thoughts. Because you just saw it. Like, we saw Snoke, and we all just instantly thought that was the new Palpatine, right? Like, that's yeah. what I thought when yeah. I saw Force Awakens. And then he dies in a kind of a, a cool way, but not in a way like a Sith Lord should have seen coming. Yeah. I mean, so immediately <laughs> when he died, I was just like, I don't know, something's doing this, and it, I don't think it was him now because he just died kind of a punk ass yeah. death. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, so they had to. There was a story there that we didn't know, right? Which is my argument with a lot of the Last Jedi people is like, what the fuck, Snoke? You gonna kill him like that? We don't even know his story. And it's like, well, the story's not fucking over yet, right? So like, give it a second. Well, it's not that Snoke Before you shit on a character. Snoke you know could what I mean? have been the story, but Kylo Ren became the story. You know, that's what makes it different from from Empire or, you know, uh, Return of the Jedi. Because it's, you know, 
doing something slightly different, which is just right. Because you expect you expect Kylo Ren to just be loyal to his master because that's what good Siths do. Right. Um, that's what good you know dark dark force users do. And yeah. so, I'm glad that they continued on with that storyline at least. That they didn't like abandon it. The most, they remembered it. The most satisfying thing in this movie, I think, was Kylo Ren's story for me. Who could? Who you know? In the beginning, anyway, at least he still continues his destroy everything. Yeah, which is a cool, yeah, little plot device. It's yeah, yeah. Um, so then I think uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, you guys, there's there's room to breathe without me leading a discussion, but I I, I would rather you lead than me. This have is to, actually yeah. a great format. Yeah. for this. I, I do want to ask one more question, and only because we've kind of been told affirmatively that this is the nonology, that there is nothing else. Um, do you think that there is, knowing that Mandalorian episodes are coming out off schedule and supposedly have tie-ins, do you think that this is it? Do you think that we have these nine movies, we have Solo, we have Rogue One, and then those are all the stories that we're going to tell about the Skywalker saga? This I say nonology, but it's with two, you know, side movies. I mean, I want to say no because I think it's money. I think they'll. I think you will see more tangent stories, but I think this is the. I don't think we're gonna see anything before episode one in terms of like, like. Let's get an origin story on Palpatine or whatever, right. or um, Sheev, Sheev, <laughs> yeah, the Sheev Awakens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh God, but. Uh, and I don't think there's like I don't think they're going to continue down the road to be like, well, what happens next with with characters that survive this movie? Sure, but I, mean, I think it's very possible they do. It is, it yeah. But I, I, just, I mean, I che- think Chewbacca, yeah, a Star Wars story, just a lot of. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just remember having this conversation in like '04 with people being and like Lucas being like, I'm not doing that, right? Yeah. You know, so. I, I get know. the. I they need to print the, a billion dollars whenever they decide to. Is the problem? Yeah, I'm, you know? I'm curious to see how the box office looks on this movie. I'm curious to see if the middling ratings affect it in any way. I mean, it's going to be a hit movie, regardless. Right. It's, its floor was massive hit. Right. I mean, it's not going to get the rewatch that Force Awakens did, but I have a hard time believing that anybody was planning on seeing it, saw the Rotten Tomato score, and then decided not to. Right. I mean, that was... The, Maybe that they don't was, bring their kids or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? That was the short spat I had on Facebook about, you know, people people who are going to go see the ninth movie of this franchise aren't going to let the early critic scores deter them because yeah. they are either already planning to skip work to see it, bought tickets months in advance to see it on a time where they don't have to skip work to see it. It's, it's fucking cats. It's just on a bigger scale. I mean, we're right. outside... Making fun of how awful that movie is, apparently, and how the critics are bashing it. And Kelly's immediate response was, "We need to see that Monday." Yeah, when are we going to see? She's that? going to go, still go see Cats. You know? yeah, it's I mean, funny though. There are there. I, I have seen actually. It was in a Facebook uh, discussion today with where a guy said he was like, "So should I go see this or just wait for it on on <laughs> on uh, DVD?" And I was just like, "Wow, those people are out there." Yeah, and they're just and, like waiting to see what people say. And they are the smartest people when it comes to voting with your wallet. Yeah, I am. I will be the first person to admit that I'm not that. Nope. I but, didn't even really like this movie all that much, and I may go see it again. Yeah, that's like. There are movies that I decide I will wait and see on. Yes. That happens sometimes. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, that movie, I'm like, eh, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but, but props to those people who do make the decision to like wait until the responses come back. But I feel like 
from everything I've read and everything I've seen, being the novice in the group having not seen it yet, I feel like we are in the kind of opposite end of the spectrum of The Last Jedi, where critics are lukewarm, but uh, that remind, reminds me of the worst Star Wars joke. What's the interior? What's the temperature of a tauntaun? Lukewarm. lukewarm. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, critics are lukewarm, but fans will love it. Especially, I mean, like some like some people just don't see through fan service. Yeah. And don't see through that stuff. And so they get totally hooked by it, and so they're going to love it. And, yeah, man, and not all people who love I mean, it, I'm yeah. saying that that applies to... It is called service for a reason. Right. Yeah, that's who they and are. And I think we liked a lot of the like fan service bits. Yeah. Yeah. If, if there's Those a, are fun. If there's a part of the movie that makes you want to fist pump, there's no, like, oh, I know what you're doing, so now I won't enjoy it on purpose. Like, right. that's disingenuous to, like, a good emotional pull. But I have a feeling that this is going to kind of have the opposite of the last shot I had, where it's going to be a middling critical response, but a very high, high audience uh, rating, uh, whereas Last Jedi was a high critic response and a middling I think so, response. and this sounds super pretentious and obnoxious, like, and I'm an asshole, but, like, the speed of the movie will help people who don't care about, like, Characters. Beautiful set shot and character development. Sure, yeah. that, that doesn't sound arrogant. I mean, it, so like you're not saying that you watch movies a different way than other people. I think that, that that's that's the implication of someone who is making a movie that is slower. Um, and so, if people don't like slower movies. That's no, you're right, you're wrong. I just think that's the masses. Yeah, and like. You know, we haven't talked about this in a while, but like, I watch movies differently now than I did three years ago when we started the podcast. Yeah. If, if if I saw this movie and when I was a teenager, I would have probably thought it was a masterpiece. Yeah, right. Because we, the twists in the movie would have blown me away instead of made me think about how they fit into the whole big narrative for what it, what the whole thing means, and like that bothers me. But then I would have been like, cool twist when yeah. I was eighteen or whatever. I mean, our hundredth episode, the one the 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 biggest thing that we all spent a lot of time talking about. Which go back and listen to that to help our ratings out now, but uh, was about how now that we started doing this and started thinking critically about ways that we are going to be prepared to talk about a movie have changed since we've had to be more uh, kind of deep dive on like subtle topics because yeah even like talking to David at the uh, not the Christmas party something recently yeah we were talking about the I'm a leave vote and he was like oh, it would be completely different now yeah I've watched movies different now than I did then yeah you know. Like, the the way that we could sit here and I could ask you questions about this. And if, if I were doing this the way that I used to watch movies then, every question would have been, hey, does this happen in the movie? Well, then what happens next? Well, then what happens next? Because I feel like that's kind of like the Hunger Games style writing, where it's like, let's just right, push right, plot, right. plot, plot, plot. And maybe not even twists and turns, but just like plot, plot, plot. I mean, that's what I get out of action movies. That's why I love action movies. Is it's just like push, 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 and let's have fun pushing. I did have one very brief moment in the movie today where during one scene, the way it was shot and the way, what was happening on screen, I was just like, oh, I wonder if this is just a little bit of J.J. being like, lost all those Oscars to Mad Max. <laughs> so I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm doing my own Mad Max Fury Road for two minutes in the movie because there's more plot. The scene in the trailer? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That scene looks just as cool in the movie as it does in the trailer. The, the riding on the horses on the starship? Oh, no, no, no. no. Chase, that's, that's cool, too. Okay. Chase, like a desert-ish chase. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. over the oh, yeah. Pathfinder. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was also a chase through the desert, so it's very Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> nice. <laughs> For a moment. Um, oh, yeah, and it's got the jet trooper chase part of it. They fly now? Yeah. Oh, um... I heard this is funnier than any of them been. It's a funny movie. The, the jokes... For me, the jokes that don't land aren't pushed too hard where they're noticeable when they don't land. Sure. So that's nice, too. It's like, not every... I'm not gonna laugh at everything in almost any movie, and so... Uh, but the ones that land really did land well for me. Um... My MVP of this movie is, without a doubt, C-3PO. I love C-3PO in this movie. He was really good. He has, I think, the best emotional moment of the movie. And also, pretty much all my favorite jokes in the movie are, are 3PO. They're really great. Uh, Poe's got some pretty damn good jokes. Yeah. Well, Anthony Daniels is the only person who's been in all nine movies now. Yeah. He's been in, actually, 11 movies. He's yeah. Been, so he is... He played C-3PO in Rogue One, uh, and he's even in Solo, but not as C-3PO. They made sure to give him a role in nice. Solo so that he could be in every oh, Star Wars I was movie. thinking of this today. Is there anybody who knows that C-3PO was built by Anakin? No. <laughs> so nobody knows that in the Not universe. even C-3PO. Right, because he got his memory wiped. Leia knew. Nuh-uh. How would Leia know? Because doesn't Luke talk about? Doesn't he work on three PO in the OT? Anakin gets his see three PO gets his memory wiped before oh, Luke and Leia are right, born. Right, 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 yeah, right, right. I don't know. So that's just some talk about fan service. That's just like, and also this robot built by Darth Vader. <laughs> Weird, right? Yeah. Uh, Nobody even knows <laughs> except for the viewer. I actually kind of really wanted that joke to come up at some point where they were, where he was just like, you know. Uh, Obi Wan didn't even fucking remember. <laughs> right. That would have been great though if he was just like like just some throwaway line at the end of this ninth movie, just be like, "Oh, having been built by Darth Vader." <laughs> uh, I, I feel like the only time you ever see other like translation, whatever kind of droid he is, is always in Sandcrawlers dismembered. <laughs> yeah. Like Jawas have ripped apart other like sea protocol droids. Yeah. droids. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Do you guys want to talk more about this movie, or you think I, I have one more question for you, yeah. Jay? Uh, do you? How would you grade the movie on uh, a satisfying end to Ray, Ben, Poe, the the new the new group, their story, and how good is it as a satisfying end to the Skywalker saga? Does it work better for one than it does the other? I mean, I think you have to break up that first question into four parts, probably. Because I'm super satisfied with Poe's ending. I'm super satisfied with uh, Ben Skywalker's ending. Uh, or Ben Solo's ending. And... Ray really less pretty so. little less with Ray, and then kind of really less with Finn. I feel like he kind of got the shaft at the end of this one. In fact, there are some, there are some things introduced in this movie with Finn that there are two things, I think, that are worth talking about at some point that do not get resolved at all with Finn right. in this movie. Two interesting things. Well, one not that interesting thing, but one very interesting thing with Finn that really doesn't ever get uh, elaborated on, which um, was a, another thing that I was kind of disappointed in. In a but, movie too yeah. full of plot, that seems foolhardy. Right. Um, um, but as far as the Skywalker saga... Less so, I think, for that. Yeah, less so. I mean, it's... It's it's hard, right? Because like, Return isn't a great end either, really. I mean, it's fine. But, like, 
Especially the edited one, man, which is the one I watched on Disney Plus. When they fucking pan around to all the planets, it was like fireworks. Oh, the actual. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm just making right. fun of that. Right. Now. That is bad. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, in fact, it's like the. I don't know. Because I, I always kind of liked. This is going to get a little heady and Star Wars nerdy. I always liked the balance of the Force being that you kind of needed both. Yeah. To keep balance. Sith and Jedi. The Jedi had gotten too powerful at one point, and that's, you know, that. Anakin turning to the Sith actually started to bring balance and force that way, even though George Lucas has said that's not what he meant. Um, yeah, all these great theories about what balance yeah. means, and like I always thought it meant like it was an accidental thing, like an accidental uh, prophecy where it was like he'll bring balance to the Force, but the Jedi had way more numbers, and so he brought about the you know destruction of the yeah, Jedi, and so yeah. it's down it's, the, to numbers, and like, then. A natural homeostasis. Right. Yeah. And then I also heard interesting theories about how there's an aspect of the Force that is neither good nor... It's sort of gray. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it is balance. It is a different kind of Force aspect. And I was like, that's interesting, too. And it turns out George Lucas is just la- a lazy writer. And so... Pretty much was, said, like, oh, it was when he threw the Emperor in. That was him bringing balance to the Force. Yeah. Ending, <laughs> ending the Sith. Yeah. Um, but also, I thought George Lucas, I can make it whatever I want it to be. Yeah. 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 I don't mind them trying to improve on that, whether they can or not, but right. (laughs) So yeah, a a little, a little disappointing, but I mean, I was, uh, it's hard to nail these big epic fantasy endings to Mm -hmm. like Lord of the Rings is great, but the ending on that doesn't hit like perfect. You know what I mean? Not even like the movie. Just the story is like, you can't. It's so hard. Right. Well, speaking of the end of Return of the Jedi, we were talking earlier, and TJ was saying that, like, uh, you notice that only people who have strong force powers can see ghosts in the yeah. movies. And I was like, no, they, like, all, like, see the ghosts at the end of Return of the Jedi. He was like, no, they don't. I was like, so what are they all standing side by side, smiling and looking at? And he was, and, and I was like, oh, that's right. The camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of Return of the Jedi. They all line up in a row and pose for a pose photo. Pose for a photo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like Wicket, the the Ewok, was just like, hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm glad you liked it. I'm middling kind of for me. But, yeah. but yeah, whatever. I'm not the kind of person to let a movie that I don't like ruin my entire love of a franchise. Also, yeah. like Last Shadow is a way better movie. Don't get me wrong, but as far as just fun numbers, this was pretty fucking fun. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad that we got to explore some of that. Um, Thanks for like hosting that. That was actually way better than us just trying to dance around yeah. spoilers. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why I didn't talk to either of you guys, either pre-show or online today, about what you thought of the movie. Because I really... Not that I'm trying to go... Because I was sleeping (laughs) since I've seen the movie. I was asking you questions about how Rotten Tomatoes works, and you still didn't answer those. Yeah, Uh, I didn't see that. I was like, no. (laughs) Back to sleep. But I'm glad. Yeah, I think Kelly and I are going to probably catch it on Monday at some point. Um, But... uh, This is the official end of the Star Wars talk and the spoilers. So... uh, now we have several questions about the two popes. <laughs> so how many popes were there actually? But I was going to title reflect. <laughs> but I was going to keep going with Brent and see uh, what else he watched. Sure. Uh, just so that we can uh, keep moving without me talking. I'll run through some things. I'll. I'll. A lot. Of, some of these will be very quick. I rewatched uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse recently. Nice. So and good. I think that movie would be a 
I think it would be a good radio play, even if it had no visuals. I think it's it is a good enough movie just on that front. I the think visuals it would, are like incredible. I think it would be a great silent film if it was just visuals. I think it is one of the best looking movies I've ever seen before. It might be in like my top ten best looking movies, and that's. I don't. I was a little sleepy when I saw it in the theater, yeah. and I just didn't quite get it all. I don't think, and I still really liked it when I saw it in the theater. Now it's just an easy five star movie your for me. Big brand new TV. Did you get to watch it in four K? Yes. Nice. No, no, because it's on Netflix, okay. and I don't pay for that. <laughs> Disney Plus and Amazon give me four K for free. Shook his fist so hard ah, on Netflix. Netflix. I just pictured the SpongeBob meme. You know, the one of him where it looks like he's like bending over, like pecking yeah. at teeth. <laughs> yeah. The people use to talk about like people would be idiots. But, and with our quote, like, we watch movies different now, and then right after Brent's quote about, it'd be a perfect silent movie, it'd be a perfect radio play. <laughs> yeah. uh, how much more is Netflix 4K? I don't know. Like, 50 cents, probably. <laughs> Unwilling. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, okay. That's a few bucks. Okay. I was um, curious. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Um, I watched Good Boys from 2019. Have y'all nice. seen Good Boys? I have. TJ has. He um, talks about, uh, not in depth recently, but recently. I thought it was pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. Um, it, was, it was that night, remember, I watched two movies back to back. I watched Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and Good Boys. And Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, in the park? In the dark, I had high hopes for it and it sucked. And Good Boys, I thought it was going to suck. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good, yeah. Uh, I think that Good Boys was, you know, the had the Red Band trailer. And it was super proud of the fact that it was just... Tra- R-rated. R-rated trash talking kids. Yeah. And that aspect was okay. Yeah. It, it didn't really do anything for me. This movie has some heart to it. And it's those moments when they kind of get away from the 12 year olds who just love saying the F word all the time. That like, there's a, a kid named Lucas in the movie uh, who is just the sweetest character I saw in a 2019 uh, movie. He's the black kid? Yes. Yeah. He's just the sweetest boy. The bit of... I love him so much. Them and drugs... Was great. Yes. Uh, then, like, not wanting. We can't just let the drugs out into the free, like free world. <laughs> but they're so young. They're just like drugs are horrible. It's. I mean, you know, you think about it, and it's like the tween crowd never really had a, a uh, like party movie for them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. It's 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 cool. Um, the the beer bit is good. <laughs> the beer bit is great. Yeah. Three Nobody's sips. done three sips Nobody's before. Ever, three <laughs> sips is the record. <laughs> that kid's a legend. And the sex jokes. The, all the shit about kids not knowing is funny. And Tremblay's also really, really good. Yeah, Jason Tremblay's actor is very good. Yeah. Another 2019 Netflix original that I watched, uh, Klaus. Oh yeah, I saw that you gave that a pretty good rating. Not to spoil what you're going to talk about, but it almost made me watch it. Did you? It's getting like horrible reviews. I gave it a pretty bad rating, actually. Oh, okay. Who I did? was like, it's like a, it's like, like horrible reviews. I give it one and a half stars. David, uh, David might have rated it high then. Uh, I just recently uh, revitalized my letterbox. I went back through all the time where I was sick and all the time like around the wedding. And I added all the movies that I watched, which is why it says that I watched all these movies on December 16th. <laughs> is that a crazy thing? <laughs> it was just like, you had like, uh, who's the guy who broke a uh, whammy game? Yeah. You oh, had like yeah, TVs yeah. all around your room? I was like, <laughs> no, I was like Alex Long, just like in the chair in Clockwork Orange, just like... <laughs> Um, so Klaus is basically an origin story for Santa Claus. Um, oh, but yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm making fun of it because <laughs> how many movies are an origin story for the current Santa right. Claus? Um, the concept is that, that there's a uh, a postman 
who's trying to impress his postman dad. So he goes and sets up a, a post office up in this, uh, I don't know, really place far up north, but not the North Pole. Because um, they got to be original. It's the magnetic so, North Pole. So there's a, uh, I don't know, it's there, there's a, there's a, a toy maker and a, a guy who lives in a shack just makes toys. And Creepy. Yeah, I don't know what he does with them. I don't think he sells them. It's real weird. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, it's uh, I like the visuals of the movie. It looks like a really unique animation animation style. Yeah, it's kind of a throwback to the sort of nineties, uh, maybe Disney, like uh, maybe the, like Emperor, the Emperor's New Groove, that kind of okay. animation, okay. maybe or. Uh, what was the one that went to space or something? Um, Mars Needs Moms. No. Planet 51. Like a 90s uh, something <laughs> that didn't suck that bad. Uh, <laughs> had what now? Atlantis or something. Uh, Atlantis? Titan AE. Titan AE. That's what I'm There's also Atlantis. But anyway, it kind of reminded me of those movies. It's just really boring. It was really boring and not the jokes didn't land for me at all. J.K. Simmons plays Klaus. Oh. And throws a symbol at somebody. Unfortunately not. And... Jason Schwartzman plays the the main character, and that's just a, it's just didn't quite land for me. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman and charisma of Santa Claus don't seem to match up to me. Has anybody seen uh, Rare Exports? No, I have not. I've not seen it. I would like to. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's streaming on something now for free. Nice. Yeah. Mm. I watched a movie that Chris had seen earlier this year. Uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Ugh, yeah, the Ted Bundy movie. The Chris Chris's review of that movie made me not want to see it. How, how did you like it? Uh, I did not like it. It was not good. <laughs> your th- I think your r- brief review on Letterbox was why Why did they do this? <laughs> it is uh, a bit on the pointless side. Yeah. was my review. Yeah, it's just I don't get, I don't get why the other other than um, what's did, his name Zach Efron being a pretty good Ted Bundy. Yeah, he's a good he's, he's a good ringer for him. Yeah. Did you agree with the, like, how much of this was it, like, did it ever seem like it was siding with maybe Bundy didn't do it? I didn't get that. I just, it was just, the tone was weird of the movie. It was just a weird tone. Yeah. I never really, while I didn't get that feeling from it, it also never felt like it was that, it almost kind of wanted us to get swept up, not in his potential innocence, but in his charisma to feel what the women felt. The women who, like, believed him. Like, it was... It kept it at a distance enough for us to know not to believe him. But it wanted us to understand why the women in his life were just like, there's no way he could do this. He's so good-looking. <laughs> you know? And he's so, like, charming. Yeah. And it that kind of came through. But... It just didn't really work Man. for me. Uh, I'll keep not watching it. I yeah. wasn't a fan. <laughs> and then the last thing I want to talk about is a 2010 movie uh, called Piranha 3D that I watched. <laughs> I watched it. I've seen Piranha 3D. Piranha 3D. So, I've, How great is Richard Dreyfuss in that movie? <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss uh, in the opening of that movie. The opening of that movie is just everything all at once. Yes. Like it is, it is. They tell you like straight up from the get-go. A great throwback to Jaws. And yeah. a, a Jaws reference in there, which is fantastic. And then um, something that a death scene that looks like it was made on like a potato running Windows ninety five yeah. or something. <laughs> like it is so bad and so intentionally funny. 
There's also, what did you call the movie? Piranha what? Piranha 3D. 3D. Isn't it Piranha 3 Double D? <laughs> That's, I think, a sequel. Or, or a, like a... It's not a sequel. A special edition. It might be a special movie. edition. Okay. Um, <laughs> so are you saying that there might be nudity in the first bit of the movie? <laughs> there is definitely nudity. But um, it's... Uh, there are definitely some really funny parts in that movie. My only criticism is I don't think they went crazy enough with that movie. Yeah. Like they, they, they definitely didn't. I remember watching it with cast and being like, it's not supposed to be scary. It's yeah. supposed to be like cringy at times, like somebody gets sucked into a butt propeller or something. Right. You know what I mean? And funny. But it's supposed to be funny. It's a comedy, straight I mean, up. There's a Ving Rames moment where he grabs a running boat motor, a propeller, and holds it into the water so he can like chop up piranhas. <laughs> And he says, uh, chew on this, motherfuckers. And it's a magical moment yeah, in the movie. It's a great <laughs> It is a, one of the greatest Ving Rhames moments of all time. Whoa. I just wish <laughs> I just wish there was way more of that in the movie. And uh, instead they had to work in a plot about a teenage boy and his mom and, yeah, and stuff. And it just again. didn't work. And uh, also, I don't know if I fully respect a movie that sets out to be on those lists of so bad it's, it's good. Right. Yeah. I feel like you should earn that by accident. You have to earn that Tommy Wiseau style. Yeah. Like like the the first Sharknado movie nailed it. They like they they went for camp, but they didn't and they knew they were going over the top, but they weren't going for the full schlock yet. Yeah. I haven't seen any except I, for the first one. Yeah, I haven't either. So I want I want those lists to be like movies that are complete like they are accidental. Like they think that they're they're it's people trying their best. Jupiter ascending. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Give me that. Uh, so anyway, but I I, I, I thought Piranha's a, a fun. It's a fun time. It's something to throw. We on. had a good a good time watching it. And have we watched it in 2010. Yeah. It was when I watched everything because with three glasses working at no. It was when I worked at Blockbuster for that okay. like six months. I think that's the same director now that who did Crawl this year. It is. Yeah. So. Which has made a lot of directors top five of the year list. Crawl has. <laughs> we watched it. It's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. You, every podcast you've talked about how good Crawl is. It's great. Is. Nobody's <laughs> watching it. What the fuck is wrong with y'all? Look, at some point you need to heart speed loud yourself and just stop talking about it because eventually we'll watch it and go, it was okay. <laughs> but no, that's it for me. That's it for you? Yeah. Uh, did you have anything else? Nope. I'll watch Crawl again, but no, I not want Crawl. That was it. <laughs> Uh, okay, now I guess it's me. Uh, I watch stuff. I'm not just a uh, a poor excuse for a moderator for this podcast. Uh, I watched The Two Popes. This was the, the movie that came to streaming today, as we're recording this, uh, 12 2019 uh, An early Oscar favorite for, to be nominated for something. Probably now hearing about your guys' Star Wars review. In stark contrast to what that movie does and is... Uh, this is a very quiet, contemplative film about the backgrounds and the lives of uh, <laughs> uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth and Pope Francis the First, and the uh, unlikely friendship between a conservative Catholic Pope in Benedict and a more progressive Argentinian uh, Pope in Francis, uh, played by Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price, respectively. Um, this is a this movie could be told as a one act play uh, with two lead actors and it is really well acted and the story's just not super exciting. So is it where does it start? Who's Pope when it starts? Uh, John Paul the second. 
Okay. Which is why when we you were like, how many popes? And I was like, there's actually three. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> it starts with the death of uh, JPJ2. Okay. It's bonus pope. Or PJP2. That's how I think of it. Uh, yeah. It starts with the bonus pope. Two, three popes for the price of two. <laughs> um, so it starts with the death of him and it goes uh, into the process of the conclave. And like a very short intro to the politicking that happened with the uh, election of Benedict. Uh, so John Ratzenberger, not John Ratzenberger, uh, John Ratzinger, uh, which is the the name of the cardinal who was became Benedict. Uh, okay. But it kind of shows like the life of uh, of uh, Francis, and like compares and contrasts, and it, it is it is really a a papal political tale. That's that's what it is, hmm. and it is. Do they get into like the whole election of Benedict was more like a placeholder? Like we can't go from, yeah, John Paul to crazy. Yep, we need some. We need a yeah, a stopgap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they talk about how um, so the first vote, or at least, and this is all like unconfirmed because the you know the the yeah. papal canon is still quiet. Actually, just recently, not to this isn't breezy. This is like Pope breezy. Uh, but but uh, but Francis just did away with uh, how the uh, voting records are secret. Um, oh, cool! As of like last week. Um, but so the film alleges that the votes were split between nine votes for the African cardinal, mm-hmm. who everyone assumed would be the first uh, pope from the southern hemisphere. Yeah, um, and uh, the Argentinian, who would go on to be Francis the first, and Benedict, and then the. Uh, Basically, Benedict campaigned really hard and became Pope. Uh, but so it, it goes through kind of um, Francis. Uh, uh, I forget the, his Argentinian name, his cardinal name, but it kind of goes through his like um, both of their backstories. You know, the one that we know the most about was that Benedict the Sixteenth was uh, part of the Hitler Jugend and like did a lot of things during uh, Nazi Germany. Um, that he wasn't proud of and goes through the scandal of his secretary at the time when he was Pope kind of publishing his letters which were meant to be in confidence as you know even the Pope gives confession to other cardinals and people uh, kind of goes through that but then compares and contrasts it with uh, Pope Francis who was a religious leader in Argentina at a time when religious leaders were being executed and people who were religious were being executed uh, by the radical government there um, you know, it's it's all of that's irrelevant. The, the it's about the friendship between you know the, the two old men, you know, with no basically the friendship. It's it's they are they are uh, it's it's the odd couple, right? It's two older men who are uh, found themselves who have found themselves in a strange situation where they have to deal with each other. Um, and their commonalities despite their differences. And that's right. that's basically what it is. And then it's well acted. And other than that, it's nothing to, nothing spectacular. If you had to pick one for a nomination. Jonathan Price. Okay. So let's play a short little game okay. um, that I call Two Popes or Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so um, that I'm holding a two for your, two nopes. <laughs> two no, yeah, uh, for your consideration packet that we received for this movie. Thank so you, Netflix. <laughs> I'm going to read you a uh, quote, and I just want you to tell me uh, 
two popes up for the quote or uh or just nope um <laughs> anthony hopkins seems born to play benedict no um, i mean he's he's good at inhabiting the role but he's he's clearly not the he's not the effigy that they got in jonathan price as francis nice he is a good old guard to act well to do a job but Jonathan Price is like fucking spitting image of Francis. Nice. Uh, this uh, this on Jonathan Price. It will be hard to find a more merited and justified human being this year that is worthy of the impending showering of honors that will be coming his way. Uh, no, that <laughs> quote was written by a fucking sycophant. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a bit strong. How about uh, this movie for best visual effects? Uh, no. So it does it does a really cool thing where it it, it goes into. Um, not necessarily uh, Benedict's life. That's kind of told in a different, uh, with a different device. But it does tell the backstory of uh, Francis's life and his role during, you know, the the coup in Argentina, and you know, gets into like the reason why he was like a Jesuit and not like a Catholic leader for all of his life, um, as he was basically like a religious refugee in his own country right um and they 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 tell that in flashbacks um and so the best visual effects i could get because it's like it does a lot of cutting back and forth between black and white and full color and then you realize at a certain point that it's blending when it's doing full color or like it's doing mixed black and white and color and flashback scenes yeah it's a little interesting and one last quote an undeniable triumph Sure. I thought maybe you might deny it. I mean, it is undeniable, so <laughs> yeah. the quote itself can't be noted. I mean, this um, is like like the first pope in like over 400 years who has just renounced the papacy, which is like crazy. Yeah. I think only like six or seven popes have done it in the like fucking 1100 year history of, yeah. the, of you know, the papal canon, so... Well, I'm ignorant of this, so I actually don't know if this is a real publication, or I really hope it's not, because that quote is is uh, attributed to award circuit. <laughs> Probably a real publication, but man, if it's not, that's just great. If they're just like, people said this. At, <laughs> I heard it. At the awards. Yeah. It's, it's real, trust me. It was at the bar. Well, that sounds interesting. Maybe I'll check that out. Yeah, Two it's, it's if, if you want, if, if you're fine with a quiet, subdued, this almost feels like a tonic for after watching the Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah, if you want a quiet, subdued acting uh, showcase, this will do that. Um, it's not complicated. It is literally about the thing you think it's about. If it's something called Two Popes, nice, um, because it's one of the very few times in human history where two popes who haven't been anti-popes. Have lived at the same time because popes live until they uh, popes serve until they die. Anti popes, scary, destroy the universe. Yeah, Great Schism, eleven sixty eight. Wait, I don't know words. Yeah, I don't know. We're running out of time. Let's uh, reality round it up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I want to talk about. I watched some other dumb shit, but I'm going to save that for later. <laughs> so this week we saw the finale of Survivor. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Uh, it was, it was all right. It was decent. It was not a bad finale. It was not a great finale. It was, uh, 
disappointing that Janet went out in the predictable way that she did. I think we all kind of saw that. The whole thing was pretty, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy the final travel because I thought that the two people playing from behind that went into that final travel that were clearly playing from behind, they played, they, they really gave a good effort, I thought. I thought Dean earned the two. I know that he didn't actually earn the vote he got from Aaron because they had their thing. But I think that Dean truly did earn the other vote he got. Because I think that his tribal, like, I think that he had a good case. Not that I think that he should win, but his, like, look, I played from the middle. This is the thing that I've been telling TJ all season that I thought there was a chance that Dean was sandbagging. I didn't think that it was. I think that he's like being opportunistic in the way that he's saying, I yeah. played quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it was an intentional sandbagging. I think he is kind of bad at the game. <clears throat> but when he was like, I was trying to play in the middle the whole time. And then the fourth quarter had come out. I think that's a good pitch. Yeah, and I think that's the only pitch you can make is Dean. It's the right pitch for him to try. There. Yeah. And it, I thought he did an excellent job of making the pitch. And you just can't be that upset when they just make they still make the right call for the most part. Right. They just don't buy it. Tommy just played a great social game. He just had so many people convinced that I mean he was shielded from so many votes by just people thinking he was they were his, you know Number one. His rider two. Ride and die. Yeah. Ride or Dean die. also saved Tommy, so it's just weird. Yeah. So like, I don't know, you could have just gone home and you could win, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well it's like, like fuck, man. <laughs> I really liked, uh, so Janet, they uh, interviewed afterwards. They interviewed her about, um, you know, the idol nullifier, and she was saying that she didn't know it was in the game, and that, of course, um, but, and that she, she thinks that, like, with 100% certainty, if she was in the final three, she would have won, and I don't think that she's arrogant in thinking that, Uh, but my my favorite thing about uh, Janet was they were asking her why she voted for Tommy, and she said, when I asked all three people... Uh, what they did that they thought was wrong in the game, which we didn't get to see. Um, Dean and Nora both lied to her. They both lied to her, and they both said something like that they either didn't have control over or whatever that she didn't the truth about, and Tommy apologized. And she was like, that's it. That's like, the biggest thing, is you have to take ownership of your game. Yeah. And you can't be worried at that point. You're going to yeah. piss people off. Because these people talk to each other. They know what your game is. Yeah. It's almost just like they're great giving you a test and they're grading you on it. They already know the answers to some yeah. of these questions. I do say that when Jack was like, we all really don't know how we're voting yet. I bet Tommy was like, ding! Sit next to those two. Yeah. Yeah. I heard my favorite theory before I watched the episode that I hadn't heard yet. And it wasn't a theory. My mom didn't think this was actually true. But my mom thought, how incredible would it have been if Nora would have gotten to the final three and would have been like, all right, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. You all know Crazy Nora. How crazy is that character? Cass made the same joke. She was like, <laughs> have Nora got in and was like, eh, was a character. Yeah. Super eloquent. If, and just, yeah. Like, and easy she, way to get to the final three. And she was like, I knew each of you were going to take me to number three. And I was so waiting for that to happen. And then Nora opened her mouth and I was like, oh, never mind. Sorry, yeah. honey. I kind of wanted it to happen. It was- <laughs> would have been fantastic. Yeah. When she started talking about how, like, no one's ever played this game like I have, I'm like, oh my god, she might do it. She might do it. She <laughs> might pull the mask off and be joking underneath. But then, no, she was just Nora still. That was also the right attempt for her, I think, which is just like, I'm a weirdo. I'm an outsider. You guys know that. Yeah. No one plays like me. I mean, literally, she just would just 
yell things out at tribal council, the things that most people whisper. Yeah. And the worst good. Yeah, oh, I was just gonna say, like, I think that's the right move because you Yeah. You had a couple people on that jury. I, I could see Jamal, I could see Kelly also just being like, you know what? I respect that. People who kinda I think would pride themselves on, on seeing the game differently than, than a lot of people. Sure. And Kelly also was acting kind of as jury foreman in a way. Yeah, she was keeping Missy couple. in line in a way that I thought was a little, like, strange. Because Missy kept, like, during people's answers, like, full clapping and, like, well, pointing. somebody to shut up. Yeah. Missy did. Told some one of the people to stop talking. And Kelly was like, not your jury. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody wants to hear him talk, we'll sit here and listen to him talk. Yeah. There's also that point when Aaron is clearly trying to protect Dean from the jury. Yeah. It's like, hey, he doesn't, this isn't any, like, four people all around. So, like. We, he needs to answer this question. We need to hear this. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh... It was the biggest landslide I've seen since I've been watching. 8-2. Oh, well. Yeah, it's probably the biggest since... It might be the biggest blowout Adam, vote since Adam Klein and, and uh, he swept things he swept in it, uh, yeah. Millennials versus Gen X. Um, yeah, it was, it's, it's interesting. I don't know... I don't know how I feel about the winner of this season and how I'll look at it later. I'm interested in uh, sitting on it for a few days and or a few seasons is usually what it takes. You know what I mean? Where I can look back and be like, Adam, nah, maybe okay. Or, you know, Wendell. Now I can look back on Wendell and be like, Wendell was good, mm-hmm. I think. I'm curious what I'll think about Tommy and you know, yeah, this time next year. And it's hard. It's harder to point to moves when it's when you win. Almost purely on your social strength, and when you're smart enough to, I mean, you were talking earlier, smart enough to see that that you can play what you were you were saying, like prevent defense. When you're smart enough to do that, keep keep a few targets in the game because his goal should be win a million dollars, not have a legacy of being the best survivor winner ever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And he he managed that the game pretty well in that, you know, he kept a, he kept some big targets in like Elaine and Janet. To the long enough for them to be big targets at the end, so that he could sort of yep. slide in. Although, also, it's just really impressive that he got Nora to take him to the end. Like that's, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a strong move right there. Yeah, because no one in that game should have taken Tommy to the end, and no, Nora did. Should have been. And a little bit of that is chalked up to Nora being Nora, but at the same time, it's like that's a good move. When he went to, the, he was just like, he painted Lauren as the big threat to win, and he was just like, I can't beat her. Lauren's gonna win this game. Somebody's got to make fire against her. So I, I think picking Tommy is the right move for Nora. I mm-hmm. think she loses to Lauren or Tommy, and I think giving Tommy that moment might be. Too much. If you take Dean and Tommy beats Lauren in fire, Tommy's got the same resume he had plus some. Plus main fire, right. You know? You know, we haven't she, gotten, she, she didn't have a good choice. We haven't gotten into the Dan of it all, but that uh, that really screwed up a lot of people's final three plans. A ton of people. Yeah. Uh, Dean has a huge chance if Dan's the only game mm-hmm. and can take Dan and Nora. Dean yeah. wins. Yeah. I think. For sure. Um I think Lauren wins. Yeah, you know if you can. I think Lauren's got a chance again. That was the final three I was hoping for was somebody in chair one, Tommy and Lauren. 
I was like, because that could be fun. I don't know what would happen. To yeah. make them kind of go against yeah. each other. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's probably like the Survivor fans' best final three. Right. For it. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. That would have been that would have been more fun. But yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, players at this game are really good at it. And mm-hmm. so they make sure that final threes aren't interesting. Well, you're not going to get the Don and Wendell thing. That's what's... Uh, yeah. Or Ben and uh, Sarah. Chrissy. Yeah. Chrissy. Ben and Chrissy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where where I, they both I, had two, they both had decent arguments, and they were just very different. Yep, very different games. Yeah. Um, okay, I think we're gonna skip breezy this week, um, just because. Is there anything anybody has? I mean, most of the news this week is about Star Wars, Star Wars, and cats, and cats, and how well it's doing, and also the movie cats. Yeah. Anybody want to share their favorite cats review so far? Anybody have one? <laughs> Mine's gonna be y'all's. One of y'all's. Mine is the dog one. Yeah, it's fantastic. And my favorite one was the is the one that said, I, "After two hours of watching this movie, I no longer remember what actual cats look like." <laughs> yeah, TJ, mine is uh, is congratulations to dogs. We got Christmas movies coming out. Yeah, you drop this before Christmas. Uh, yeah, this we, is we uh, no, this is going to be coming out Boxing Day. So the twenty sixth so after Christmas. No, no, it needs to come out King. before Christmas. This needs to come out before Christmas. We've got movies coming out on Christmas. Oh, why don't we drop it tomorrow or Monday? Monday. It's gonna come out Monday. Let's drop it Monday. All right. All right. A little behind the scenes action there, everybody. Uh, all right. Well, then you have three movies to choose from. Otherwise, you were gonna just have to maybe go see Clemency if it was showing in a theater near you. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Is that another Pope thing? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, three movies picked from Spies in Disguise. Is that really shitty looking animated movie? You seen trailers for that yet? It's no. got uh, Will Smith, Will Smith and, and uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland, yeah. Uh, but then you got two Best Picture nominees coming out. Christmas Day, uh, Little Women. Yep. Greta Gerwig directed and like name an actor. They're in the movie. The cast yeah. is huge. Bobcat Goldblatt. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. He plays Joe, actually. <laughs> He's the lead. <laughs> uh, and also, uh. Sam Mendes War Flick with Benedict Cumberbatch and a bunch of other Brits. Nineteen seventeen. Yeah. Is uh coming on Christmas Day. I would have said Little Women a month ago, but the trailers I've seen from nineteen seventeen look fantastic. Yeah. So I'm gonna say nineteen seventeen. It looks like a uh heart palpitation inducing ride. It looks like a panic attack movie. Yeah. And uh <laughs> I, I'm kind of not liking some of the heat coming back from critics about Little Women. Yes, yeah. there's someone that we follow on Twitter who said uh, only a female director and screenwriter would have gotten away with the pandering bullshit in the first hour of this movie, and I was just like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like that—that that is not a complaint that I think would be lobbied at Gerwig. Uh, no, it's also like Little Women, though. Right? Sure, but, <laughs> but I mean, she chose to make that movie. No, I'm just saying, like the pandering in the first hour of yeah. Little Women is fucking yellow Alcott. You know what I mean? All right. I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet. Yeah. See. Where is she buried? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go yell at her. Hey! <laughs> I'm thinking 1917. Sweet. That's a sweep for 1917. Word. So go see that. Don't yell at your family about politics. We get it. It's yell. going to the Senate now. <laughs> yell at them about little women. <laughs> but not the movie. Just little women. <laughs> Lowercase. <laughs> yell at them about wicked. <laughs> Uh, so this has been Talky Talk, the podcast from TheBias.com. You can find us on mm-hmm. Facebook on our groups, TV Bias, Movies Bias, Games Bias. Uh, you can rate us on your favorite podcatching app, iTunes, whatever. Give us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it, and we think we do. We do! Uh, you can send us an email, TheMediaBias at gmail.com. You can send yep. us a tweet at TheMediaBias, uh, and 
I want to give a special thanks to the Willow Walkers for the intro. And Boo Reaver for the outro. Thanks, Chris, so much. And happy holidays. J-I-N-G-L-E. Jiggle the jiggle the jiggle. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.